definitely expecting an all-out war. You know, I don't think I've ever been anywhere louder than there. All these guys have played here a bunch of times, so we'll be ready to roll. What is good, everybody? Welcome to a special early preview edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero, alongside the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Levin, it's game day. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with these Thursday games. I love that it's prime time, but boy, is it kind of like throw your whole week out of sorts. And then on top of it, it means you have like a mini buy, so it means you're you're going to have a long break. You know, yeah. you might actually have a couple of days with no Niners news. I don't like it. It messes with our show. So this is going to be a, a shorter edition since the game is tonight. We'll do the instant reacts, which 11, of course, is not going to be a part of because he's a part-time Niners Nation employee. But uh, we'll get into the game coming up. If I'm you want... an independent contractor. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's true. Uh, before we get into some of the game preview, want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always read your reviews if you take the time to read them, uh, to leave them, I should say. Nick9790, five stars. Feeding yet another addiction is the subject. Fantastic group of shows. My favorite pairing is Robin Levin. The brotherly shots back and forth always give me a chuckle. I grew up a Niner fan, but have never considered myself a diehard but something about this year has captured my attention. New episodes come out quick. They're always there for my morning routine. Informative yet entertaining every day. Good job, stats and company. I'm glad that they relegated you to company at the end of that review. Uh, I was just going to say, Rob ain't no brother of mine. <laughs> that guy. Wow. <laughs> Starting early on it's this just, show. Rob's not a brother of mine. He's just somebody I don't like. I mean, come on. <laughs> Jeez, I thought that was a little unwarranted, but all right. Shorter you show. Know you deserve it. Still finding ways to get the swears in. All right. It's Seahawks game day. <laughs> I did a podcast with Dan Viennes of Field Goals of our Seahawks community here at SB Nation, and he's like resigned to defeat. He's like, it's not going to happen. The run defense stinks. It's not going to be good. I'm still nervous, Levin. Here's all I know. Kyle Shanahan has made five trips to Seattle. The 49ers have won one of those games. And of course, we all remember 2019, but that's the only one he's won. And normally, not only do the 49ers not win, normally they don't play well and it's ugly in Seattle. It, it is a weird kind of uh, position to be in this year because when you look at all statistics, uh, how the two teams are playing currently. Uh, all of it points to the Niners being clearly the better team. So confidence from the Niners side should be at an all-time high for winning in Seattle, or at, le at least in the last decade, I should say, since the Harbaugh years, basically. So it it's a weird position, though, because like the Seahawks aren't good, and they're getting worse right now. And the Niners are obviously playing lights out in the last couple of weeks, two big blowouts in a row. And then even when you look at it a little more detailed, you know, it, it's like what I mentioned on the instant racks. Seattle's defense was on the field for 40 minutes on Sunday. And now they've had a whopping three days off and they got to go toe to toe with this Niners offense that loves to run the ball. And what is Seattle terrible at? 
They're, they are literally giving up an average, since their bye week, they've played three games, two of which are at home, by the way. They're giving up 225 rushing yards a game in those three games. And they just played 40 minutes three days ago or four days ago by game time. Like, this is going to be a very tired defense. It's just like, it's one of these games that so many signs point to the Niners winning easily that I'm nervous. <laughs> well, here's the thing. There's only one thing I feel like that can swing this game back in Seattle's direction, and that is turnovers. I went back just before we hit record because it was just something that was stuck in my head. I, literally, I was lying awake last night thinking about this show. I was like, what do I want to see? And in my mind, when the Niners would go to Seattle, I felt like almost always they would turn the ball over early in the game. The crowd would get super into it, and it was just like, ugh. And you always felt like you were sort of having to dig your way out of a hole. So I went back and looked. The only time the Niners played in Seattle under Kyle Shanahan and did not turn the ball over was 2019. And lo and behold, that's the only game they won. In five games in Seattle, the 49ers have nine turnovers compared to just three for the Seahawks. And all of those three happened to come in the same game last year. And the Seahawks still won that game. (laughs) So other than that, they have not turned the ball over at all against the 49ers on their home field. That to me is the only way the Seahawks, the Seahawks can win this game is if Brock struggles, maybe the crowd noise gets to him. He plays, you know, more like a seventh round rookie, maybe turns the ball over, gives Seattle some short fields. If they don't do that, I don't think there's a way the Niners can lose. And that's another recent thing that points in favor of the 49ers. The Seahawks have turned the ball over offensively two times, three straight weeks. Like they they had a bye week four weeks ago and they came back so much worse. Like the last three weeks... <laughs> have been terrible. Their only win in those three weeks was against a Staffordless Rams team that has clearly quit. They're they're done. And that was still a very close game. Like that that was a game that went down to the wire. They only won by four points. Uh outside of that, they gave up 40 points to the Raiders. 40 to the Raiders. And then this last week, they got not just beat the final score looks closer than it was because it's only a six-point game, but they were down 30-17 to 17 with like 15 seconds to go, and they got a touchdown to make it look closer. They got worked by the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, rushed for like 223 yards, and we all know who they traded mid-season, and yet <laughs> they went out and ran all over the field on Seattle in Seattle. That game was in Seattle. Like it, It's just weird. It's the type of Seattle that we've we've really never seen in recent memory. I think what's happened is Geno Smith came out of the gate and he was killing it on fire. And everybody was like, oh, damn. And there was some skepticism. And meanwhile, he just kept kicking butt. And now I think we're at the point in the year where defenses have seen enough film and they've said, "Okay, this is a real thing that we have to prepare for. And so by the time week 12, 13 comes around, defenses have adjusted. Now it's on Geno and the Seahawks to adjust again to counter what the defenses are doing. So far, he hasn't been able to do it. Unfortunately for him, he's got to try and do it against the Niners this week, who absolutely chewed up and spit out good Geno Smith from earlier in the year. And so he's got a tall task in front of him. And I I know that the Seahawks receivers are good, but I have so much faith in D'Amico Ryans right now that I can't see Seattle scoring more than two touchdowns in this one. 
Well, the the weird thing is, is the Seattle offense, they have taken a step back from early in the year. I mean, they came out and Geno Smith was highly efficient, but they didn't put up a ton of points really until week four is when they kind of turned the corner. But in recent weeks, I mean, they've scored 34, 27, 24. Their offense hasn't been terrible. They've just been not uber efficient and they've had turnovers. Whereas early in the year, you know, we know Geno Smith was completing like nearly 80% of his passes a quarter of the way into the season. So they're not quite as efficient, but they've still been putting up points. What has changed is that defense is literally the worst defense in the league since the midpoint in the season. Overall for the season, they're 30th in points allowed. They're giving up almost 26 points per game on the season, but they've been worse in recent weeks. And I think what's happened is early in the year, they have very, very young cornerbacks. And I think teams thought, we're going to test these guys. And they came out trying to pass. And, you know, that's what I was saying during that first matchup. Hey, these corners are not very good. They're young. We got to test them. That's what I said in the first matchup. Turns out those corners are actually pretty darn good, despite being very young. What sucks is the defensive line and the linebackers. There's no speed there. So they can run on over and over and over. And what's happened is teams realized that. And now every team just comes out and says, we're just going to run until you stop us. And they can't. And that's exactly what the 49ers should do. Christian McCaffrey, have at it. Jordan Mason, have at it. Ty Davis Price, if we can find you. I don't know where the hell you are, but if we if you can find him and he happens to end up in Seattle, give him the ball too, right? This is a test for Brock Purdy. First road game in Seattle, which is never easy for anybody. And I think he'll be able to handle it, but the less you have to put on his shoulders, the better. And if Seattle is weak on the ground, then give me the Garoppolo NFC Championship game game plan, man. Hand it off a billion times, Brock. Whatever's going to get the job done because division titles at stake here. Like, take care of this one, handle your business, and then the last three weeks of the season completely change for you. And that's an interesting aspect to this. Offensively, the Niners in recent weeks, and it's worked, have come out passing. And then after they get... A couple short passes, dump offs to Christian McCaffrey, then they go to the run game. I would argue in this game that they should probably come out running. And even if that results in punts, just don't have that turnover. Like like you said, if Purdy comes out and throws an interception on the first or second drive, things could snowball on you. You know, he is still a young quarterback. We all want to pretend like he's this you know, savvy vet already, but Seattle is Seattle. It is a hard atmosphere. If he throws an interception early, you might see the rookie come out in him. So I would kind of protect against that and say, hey, we're playing the worst run defense in the league. We're going to run it. If that means a couple early punts because it doesn't work, that's fine. We'll adjust later. We're just not going to give them the one big play that starts the snowball. And I agree with that. Like, that's the worst formula you don't want to give them any confidence you don't want to get the crowd in there come out make them prove that they can stop it because they have not been able to and i just think that the niner running game it's weird how it always seems to take a while you know i've made the analogy multiple times about how it's like a machine and if there's a grain of sand in the machine the whole thing collapses well they cleaned that grain of sand out and now that thing is running smooth as clockwork and they are just road grading people And, you know, maybe it's at a point now where things are good and you don't have to use the pass to set up the run. Just do what you've been doing with Brock Purdy. Run the ball, 
Brock's been in play action about 25% of the time, which he seems to function in perfectly. We know the Shanahan offense is built in play action. And do it that way, man. And and just totally erase this whole just I have so many bad memories in Seattle. And I, I as a fan, maybe I'm more affected by this than the players would be. But like they get an early turnover, and the first thought on my head is like, here we, here go, we go again. Yeah, that that's what I would protect against. Like y- you don't need to come out and get a big lead right away. You just need to come out and not have the critical mistake. And I think if you don't have the critical mistake, I think that 40 minutes that Seattle was on the field defensively will come into play as the game goes on. And if you stick to that run game, they're going to start breaking down. And even if it's not working early, it's going to start working in that second half when they're worn out. So the goal should be, in my opinion, early on, not necessarily to put up points. You know, that's the bonus. Hey, we got points. Great. But should be, we want to control the clock. We want this defense on the field. You know, if they go into halftime and it's like 7-7, but they've had 20 minutes of time of possession at Seattle's 10, they're going to steamroll them in the second half, in my opinion. I think that should be the goal. Time of possession. Make this defense be on the field in the first half, so then in the second half, they're spent. I feel like people listening to this are going to feel like we were abducted by aliens. Like, who are these two guys (laughs) saying the 49ers should come out run the ball and, and be conservative, right? Like it's a complete opposite of basically every game that we've talked about, but yeah, it's just different circumstances, right? It's, it's the fact that Debo's not there. It's where they are. It's going to be cold in Seattle. And like you said, the fact that they had just had such a punishing game um, on their own field too, man, the Panthers just took it to them. Um, But yeah. And, and, the ground game to me, that's just the safest, most obvious way to win. I, you know, I love when a strength of my team matches up with a weakness in the other team. It's clearly a problem for Seattle. You talked about the corners that that's a challenge that you have to deal with. So why throw into their strength, man, take those, cor- make those corners tackle. How about that? Let's see if they have to step up and tackle a few times. Maybe their coverage gets a little worse and then you can beat them down the field. So that to me is clearly what I would do offensively if I were the 49ers. What about on defense when Seattle has the ball? You think D'Amico is just going to be his crazy blitz everybody self? It, it will be uh, something to watch for because Kenneth Walker was a full participant uh, in practice last week. Or la- let's see, on Tuesday, he was a full participant. So he's going to play. And he didn't play last week. He's clearly their best running back. They have not run the ball for over a hundred yards in like five straight games. They've been strong as a team. They have averaged like 60 yards rushing as a team over the last four games. When they were really good in that kind of middle part of the season, they were running for 140, 150. They had a couple games over 200 as a team. That's when they were reeling off their wins. And the last four weeks, the run game has just not been there. Obviously the Niners are the best run defense. But now they're getting Kenneth Walker back after he was out last week. So are they going to try to commit to the run? Or are they just going to come out and say, look, we're not going to be able to run against this Niners team. So why even try? We're going to come out passing. That's something that I'd be watching for early is what is Seattle's game plan offensively? Bruce Irvin. I just saw this tweet. Bruce Irvin. Quote, I'm still sore as shit. Thursday night game (laughs) should be illegal. 
That tells yeah. you, right? I mean, that's literally what you were just talking about. Sorry, I know we're onto the defensive side of the ball, but I just couldn't resist reading that. Um, good luck, Seattle. Like, you can please try and establish. You're not running on this defense. You're just not, especially with Eric Armstead back. The way Dre Greenlaw is flying around just murdering people, like, you're not going to be able to. And I think that's part of the reason why Gino has struggled recently is because it's kind of all been on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what quarterback you are. When it's all on your shoulders, things get a lot damn harder. And he's not played as well as of late. But that's the bind that this 49ers defense puts you with. We're going to make you throw. And then when you do, we're going to make you uncomfortable with our pass rushers. And we've been able to make enough plays in the secondary to shut you down. And oh, by the way, we're not missing any tackles. So you can forget about yards after catch. You're going to have to do it again and again and again to get all the way down the field. And yeah, I think D'Amico is going to come at him a little bit. I'm sure the Seahawks have made some adjustments since week two. But I I just can't see them consistently beating that 49ers defense enough to put up enough points to win. But then you got, you know, this. we talked about the 49ers snowball. The Seattle snowball for them, I think, is if they come out and they say, look, we're not going to be able to run the ball, so we're going to go pass. And they go three and out, three and out, and that defense now has been on the field a whole right. bunch. And now you're really screwed. Now you're, you, you got an impossible task at that point if that's what happens. So that's a risk there. If you come out passing and it doesn't work, you're going to have almost no time on the field. Your defense is going to be instantly sitting there gassed. And there's no coming back from that. So do they protect against that by saying, we're going to run at least one play just to make sure that we're on the field for a minute and a half, two minutes of time of possession to make sure our defense is protected. So good luck. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, unless you get one of these Kenneth Walker, which I do think he is a tremendous running back. Yeah. Uh, He is somebody that is big. Uh, you know, he's not huge. He's obviously not Derrick Henry. Nobody is, but he is a thick running back. But at the same time, when he's in a straight line, he is fast, you know, and, and he has a little bit of elusiveness. He's not, you know, he's not crazy in that regard, but he does break tackles and he does. If he gets an opening, he's gone. You're not catching him. So they got to make sure they don't allow one of these plays where he breaks a couple tackles and then all of a sudden there's the big run and now they're cooking which the Niners are the best team in pursuit in the league, I would argue. So once again, it's another thing that on paper you go, well, that's not going to happen because of who they're playing. Yeah, but like we're saying all this stuff, and I really do believe everything we're saying, but then in in my mind, man, it's just the one, it's a Thursday game. So both teams are tired and beat up. It's in Seattle. Weird stuff happens. So it's going to take something weird. Remember, or the fake punt, maybe it'll be one of those situations. You know Carroll's going to have some something up his sleeve for, for sure, because he always does. Um, I know we talked after the game about Brock Purdy, and you were not really worried about the oblique injury. Brock's been limited all week long. Do you still feel like he's going to be out there no problem? Yeah, because he, he was limited in practice. If, if he wasn't practicing, it would be a little bit more of a concern, but... Well, they're not really practicing. If he's able to be limited and listed as limited, he's playing. The Brock Purdy love will just go into overdrive if they win this game (laughs) in Seattle, clinch the division. The Niners would be the first team in the NFL to win their division. Think about how ridiculous that is, given all the crap that has happened to this team this year, that out of everybody in the NFL, Chiefs, Bills, 
Eagles, Vikings with the lead in their division. Nope. The first team that can clinch their division is the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's pretty uh, insane if it happens, but it will it will be interesting to see how Purdy does. Can he handle this atmosphere? We everybody's writing, you know, hyperboles about him right now, saying how how he acts like a savvy veteran. He's willing to call people out and practice, you know, and he he doesn't get flustered like you would think. Well, Seattle's a different atmosphere. It's a, di- a different ball game, so that would be a very good test. And honestly, it's the best test left in the season to see what he would be like if they have a road playoff game, because you're going to be in a very nasty atmosphere in a road playoff game. You know, the Rams aren't making the playoffs, so there's no Levi's South where you might have had a home (laughs) game on the road. So there's no possibility of that. So if the Niners do have to play, say, the NFC championship game on the road, this is going to be the experience that he gets in terms of having that type of atmosphere because you're not going to get that on the road in Las Vegas. You know, they don't have a game left against a really good opponent that has an atmosphere like this. So I think this is something to watch for. How does he handle it? I agree. And he's also never had a single snap so far without a lead or trailing. I should say they've been tied. They were tied at one point, but he's never been trailing. So far. Yeah. And how does he do when it, when the defense knows he has to pass? Right. I mean, and so far he's been checking the boxes, right? And yeah. good for him. You know, came in off the bench, made the plays, protected the ball. Good. Check. Got blitzed a lot against Miami. Didn't get blitzed as much against the Buccaneers. Look good. Checked another box. Now it's an obstacle. First road game. That whole deal. Got to go on the silent count. And we'll see if he can do it. It's funny, Levin. I feel like this is the kind of feeling around our quarterback that I thought we were going to have with Trey Lance, right? So many playmakers around him, doesn't have to do that much, getting the ball out to the right people at the right time, using his mobility like we've seen. He had a touchdown run last week. Like I feel like this is what was supposed to happen with Trey Lance. Now, Trey got hurt, so we never got to see it, but... Everything that I thought would happen with Trey and that I thought we would be saying, talking about the intangibles, all that stuff is happening now with Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I, I don't think that touchdown run has gotten enough love in the on Twitter and the breakdowns this week. Like that was a quarterback escaping in a way that we're not used to because he avoided the rush and avoided it by stepping up in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of young quarterbacks who have the ability to escape, what do they do? Oh, I'm feeling pressure. I'm going to run directly to the side. Oops, Mm -hmm. there's a defender right there. If he had done that, he would have gotten blown up. But instead, he knows that it was coming from the side, so he runs up the middle and then avoids the rush, sidesteps somebody, gets into the end zone. Like, that is a high-level scramble, if you want to kind of phrase it as a high-level scramble. That he's a rookie that knew, hey, I can't just outrun the guys to the side. If I go to the side, that's where the rush is coming from. He was aware enough, had the pocket awareness, to run up the middle, which is something the way in which he runs. I don't think he's quite as uh, athletic, but he, he's, he's similar to me in Russell Wilson's escape way. He's just, he knows where to go every time. Like you think you're about to get him. And then all of a sudden he just takes that one step and Oh, now he's getting a positive gain. He never looks like he doesn't know where he's going. Like it always looks like when he drops back, 
he thinks in his head, okay, if there's pressure, I'll go here. And then pressure comes and he just, he's just there. Like it never, he never looks flustered. But I, the thing that, that jumped out to me is that's all the mobility you need. Like he, he's right. mobile enough to ride the bumper cars, if that makes sense, right? You go to the amusement park, you got to be over this line to get on the ride. That's where Brock is with his mobility. And I feel like that's where Kyle kind of not went wrong with Trey Lance, but I feel like Kyle was like, oh, he's mobile. We got to run all these design runs with him. Like, no, you can do that. That's fine. But you don't need to. Where that mobility really comes into play is like on that play in the red zone with Brock. Nobody was open. He had pressure. He scrambles. He makes something out of it. The Niners still get a touchdown instead of having to kick a field goal. That's all the mobility mobility you need. Anything more than that is great, but you don't have to have that. And so I hope that when Trey does get back in there, that Kyle realizes like, oh, I don't have to go out of my way to use his athleticism. That will come out in the natural course of the play. Yeah, you don't have to Lamar Jackson him. Right. You can Justin Fields, a quarterback. How many of, of Justin Fields' rushing yards this year have come by play design not very many almost all of them are scrambles but you don't have to be in order to have a huge positive you don't have to be a justin fields and purdy is not you know justin fields when he escapes it's not oh okay he turned a negative play into a positive play it's uh oh he's in the open field this might <laughs> this be a long be a touchdown. touchdown yeah Purdy's not going to be like that but it's a massive swing to go oh, here's a sack, never mind, here's a six-yard gain, and he gets the mm-hmm. first down on third down. Like, just doing that once or twice a game literally swings, in terms of expected points, A that's a, probably around a five-point swing, just from prior experience. Turning a sack into a six-yard gain and getting a first down twice in a game would probably be about five points in terms of expected points. Like, it's huge. Do you think that because of the oblique injury that he'll be a little less mobile, that maybe either running the ball or just scrambling around that he's going to be a little more kind of self-contained because that would make a, a difference. Uh, I, I don't, I don't competitiveness gets to you. Like, I, I don't think he's going to go, Oh, I have an oblique injury. I'm just giving up on this play. You know, competitiveness is going to take over at that point. Once he's in the play. Now, what might happen is you're not going to see some play calls. Like we saw, you're not going to see the double move where he's got a pump fake and then throw when he knows He's likely getting hit, which is probably when the injury came to begin with on that double move to Brandon Ayuk. You know, I, I don't see him, I don't see Kyle Shanahan calling a long developing play where if it works, your quarterback's throwing the ball at, at a point where he's likely got a guy that's going to get a free hit at his ribs. You know, they're probably limit some of those late developing passes, maybe a little less play action so that he has time to see a pass rush coming. So he's not exposing those ribs by trying to make a throw and didn't know a guy was right there. I do hope they stick with some of the, the designed rollouts and those things. Cause he's looked good on those plays, but you do have to be careful a little bit because even if it was only for a play or two, like Josh Johnson's your backup quarterback, Levin, they haven't done any live reps this week. So yep. Josh Johnson would have to play without literally throwing a live rep in practice to anybody that's on the field. Like that, that is the scenario that is entirely possible tonight. Well, it's not like Kyle Shanahan lets his backup do a lot of throws and practice anyways. We've heard plenty about that in the last two years that the backup quarterback gets very little amount of the time. Mm-hmm. He likes to keep a starter in there. And that, that probably with, 
uh, somebody that's about to get their second career start and Purdy would probably have been to the extreme anyways. If they were able to do full practices, probably would have been completely Purdy. He would have let him have every rep he can possibly get. But uh, <laughs> Josh Johnson has been in the league for a long time and he's never been on a roster where the team wants to see him throw. That <laughs> oh, he's always the backup. He's always the third string. You know, he, he has made a great career out of it. He is an athletic quarterback, but he's never been in a situation where the team has him in is like, all right, here we go. We're going to try that deep shot. You know, that's just not what he's been. Not since San Diego state and Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's sad, but true, but think about it for the Niners, right? You win this game. As we wrap it up here, you win the NFC West. You put pressure on the Vikings, by the way, because if the Vikings don't beat the Colts on Saturday and the Niners win tonight, the Niners are the two seed, thanks to conference record. So, like, you can win this game. Not only do you get your division, boom, you immediately put pressure on the Vikings. I haven't looked off the top of my head. Let me look real quick at the rest of their schedule because I don't know. They play the Colts. I believe it's one of the harder ones. Colts, Giants, at Packers, at Bears. It's not a walk in the park. And hell, they just lost to the freaking Lions. So, you know what? Like, I don't think the two seed is out of the picture by any stretch. And I would love the Niners win this game. Then they get the mini bye, rest up. Like, you potentially could see this team become two seed in the NFC by the weekend. Well, I'll leave us with this thought. And people can get at us on Twitter if they got it anything they want to post that they think, because I can't come up with one. What matchup in this game, whether it's Geno Smith versus our secondary or, or the, you know, the run game of Seattle versus our defense, whatever the matchup, what matchup do you think Seattle has the advantage of? Cause I can't think of one. There's not a single matchup that I think, Hey, that unit versus the opposing unit for the 49ers, Seattle has the advantage. Yeah, <laughs> there's literally not a single one. I don't think so. So that just goes back to how we started. Protect the damn ball. You do that, you'll be fine. And by the way, the Niners have been doing that. In this six-game win streak, they only have three giveaways. Meanwhile, they have 12 takeaways on defense. So four times as many turnovers as giveaways for the 49ers in the last six games. Keep that up, and you'll have an NFC West title to your credit. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Don't forget, after the game, we will be live on the Niners Nation YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Also, my Twitch page, at Stats on Fire. Please follow me there. We will be breaking down everything that happens. Hopefully, I'll have an adult beverage because we'll be celebrating a division championship. It should be a lot of fun. We can maybe exercise some of those Seattle demons, which I've been waiting to do. So please, please make sure you join us there. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you when it's over.